Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There is no perfect pregnancy, birth, or parent, and yet we rarely hear the real stories. It's time we speak up. Mom, actress, and advocate Tatiana Ali hosts Unspoken Stories, a new podcast from March of Dimes, featuring real stories detailing everything from the joys of parenthood to what happens when things don't go according to plan. Listen to Unspoken Stories for free wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting unspokenstories.org. Are you trying to do it all and do it all flawlessly? Break away from the cult of perfection with best-selling author and founder of Girls Who Code, Reshma Sajani, on her podcast, Brave Not Perfect. Each week, Reshma explores ways we can be braver in our everyday lives because bravery is a habit you form. She'll help you build that muscle so when it really matters, you're ready to take on life's challenges. Tune in and subscribe to the Brave Not Perfect podcast wherever you're listening right now. Hey guys, it's Candace and Kayla, and we're directionally challenged. Yep, we thought we'd have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s. We did. We thought that. Why did we think that? Because we don't have it figured out at all. And that's totally okay. It is okay. And thank goodness we are stopping to ask for directions from a total 
badass today. Oh I'm, my god! I think I'm in love with her. I think I am too. Shan Boudrum, you guys, she is a sought-after certified sex educator, dating coach, relationship extraordinaire. Some of you guys might watch her on her very popular YouTube channel, Shan Booty. She has written for Teen Vogue, Cosmopolitan, CBC. I'm sure you've seen her on The View, MTV, The Steve Harvey Show, CNN, Entertainment Tonight, The Rachel Ray Show. I mean, the list goes on and on. On and on and on. Um, we're so excited to sit down with her in today's episode. Uh, we really didn't know if this episode was going to happen. Yeah, we. well, honestly, I don't think I had even studied erectile dysfunction in my whoa, entire... Whoa, 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 Kayla. What did you just say? <laughs> erectile dysfunction. We're talking about erectile dysfunction today? Yes, we are, Candace. whether <laughs> you like it or not. Those cute little cheeks are already blushing. <laughs> we are. So we've had a few episodes about sex on this uh, series. We've talked with Tanya Tate. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked to Alicia Sinclair. And now we have the chance to sit down with Shan Boudram. So even though we've already had a few episodes talking about sex, we still have tons of emails and and DMs asking us to have more episodes. Um, And then the opportunity presented itself. But we saw what we would be talking about and it was erectile dysfunction. And we thought that this is, wait, what? How does this apply to us? A bunch of women sitting around talking about erectile dysfunction? Yeah, it just didn't feel like <laughs> this is something that we had any room to talk about. But then we did more research and we realized this affects so many more women than we thought. And it's a it's a real conversation that needs to be had. I really didn't know how we were going to have this conversation until we started researching more about what Shan was talking about. Um, We looked at her YouTube show and she's actually featured in this new product commercial for a product called Giddy. They've got Dan Trejo as the star of it. They got a real housewife in it. They have an Olympian in this commercial and it's all for this product that talks about erectile dysfunction and helps erectile dysfunction. And then statistically learning how much this affects, obviously not only the men, um, but partnerships and couples and how a lot of women take it on and, and wear it emotionally as a weight on themselves as if it's their responsibility. And so we figured, oh my God, we have to talk about this. How can we not talk about it? Especially because psychologically it affects a lot of women too, where they think it's their responsibility and who better to talk to it about than Shan Boudrum. Yeah, you guys, and don't worry, we're not only talking about erectile dysfunction for the entire episode. Shan also has an incredible book coming out called The Game of Desire. So she's going to talk about dating in the digital age and uh, working on yourself to be the best version of yourself. So when you get out there and are dating, you're ready. So we have a whole bunch of amazing topics coming up. So stay tuned right after the break. And we're back with Shan Boudram. Yay! <laughs> Welcome. We're so excited to have you. We're slightly nervous. We're going to try not to blush too much or sweat through our shirts. It's uh, already happening. It's already happening. I mean, you're pregnant, so I'm sure you're just sweating all the time. <laughs> True, thanks, Just girl. a constant. <laughs> um, but we want to know, just right off the bat, how do you become a sex educator? Oh, um, there's many ways to skin a cat. I like <laughs> to liken it to nutritionist. And so sex, sexology, which is my like title, is to sex as nutritionist is to food. So I do. it's a study of sex as it relates to biology, psychology, criminology, sociology. And so it depends on what vein you want to practice in. So I went to school for journalism and then I got certified as a sex education counselor at the University of Toronto in Canada. 
And when I moved to California, I got an associate in sex education from San Francisco. And then I also got certified as a sexologist. Um, if you wanted to practice therapy, it's a different set of schooling you had to do. Um, if you wanted to write curriculum or you want to develop drugs. And so there's a number of different spaces that we show up. It kind of just depends on what you want to do. Uh, but my foundation is journalism. So I always knew that for me, it was spreading the message to the masses. Hence why we're here today. Yes. <laughs> now, were your parents open about sex with you? Did Hell they talk no. to you? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> Were your parents? Yeah. See, oh, that's wow. where I would think if you're if that's the line of work you go into and like is studying. I mean, my yeah, my mom, not my parents. I'll say my mom. Mm. My mom bought me books. She made sure that if I ever had any questions, I could ask her. She'd walk me through different books. Um, she was always very open with allowing me to ask questions and talk about sex. Now, you were comfortable with that because I would think some people would be uncomfortable with going through a book with their mom about it. I was very comfortable. So that's why I just assumed, I, I just had this assumption that, you know, you grew up with parents maybe talking to you about sex and then you're in college and and then how do you decide that that's what you want to study? Or was there a class or a teacher that kind of piqued your interest? Yeah, I think it works either way. Either you've got really great upbringing and you're like, I want other people to benefit from this or you have the opposite and it's mm -hmm. not so great. Um, I had an amazing parents. My parents were awesome. It's just that their approach to sex education was if you have any questions, ask. And I say to parents, it's just really not the right entry point. I actually love that your mom gave you books because you need a point of reference. I don't know what to ask. And especially because my mom tended to like paint herself as like, I lost my virginity when I was in love. Then I met your father, yada, yada, yada. Then came you. And I'm like, how's this woman going to understand that? Like I'm having sex with pickles at night. Like <laughs> if you're, you know, if you're so like clean cut and like, I, I don't know what I could possibly ask. It's not going to shock you. And so, and there was no point of reference for us to start the discussion about. Mm. And so that was their way of like opening the door. But a lot of kids, like they don't need the door open. They need to be walked through it and given a tour guide. Um, and to your point, it might be a lot easier to go through a book than to actually have the birds and the bees talk. I always say too, go ahead. My mom was right in the middle of the two of you, oh. gave me a book, said, hey, if you have any questions in this book, you can come talk to me about it. If you don't, you can go to the book. And I loved that because it what left book me, was it? you know, that's a good question. I don't know, but it, it was a really big, thick book. And, and I just kind of chose to go to the book instead of going to her. And it made me feel comfortable though. The idea of, oh, she knows now that I know it all. Yeah. You know, so there was an open form of communication. I just chose not to use it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it seems like it was right in the middle of what you two went through. Yeah. It sounds perfect. Now, Shan, do you feel like you actually have this opportunity where you are the book for a lot of your subscribers on your YouTube channel. Do you have a lot of younger viewers that are asking you questions? Like, do you sense that when... I really don't. I mean, sometimes I get the messages of like, you're teaching kids and stuff. And I'm like, honey, my demographic is not kids. Um, and I like... I curse. I like to use a lot of like really like direct language. What I really wanted from a sexual educator growing up was somebody who made the conversation not awkward. Mm. In order to do that, it has to be conversational. And also sex education to me should mirror good sex. It should be salacious and interesting and have sexy storylines involved and like details and a climax and like, a, oh no, what's about to happen moment. And then like, okay, the resolution. And so um, I know sex educators for kids. There's a lot more practical care that you have to make. And of course, you're just a lot more scrutinized. So my demographic tends to be equally between 18 to 24 and 24 to 35. My 50 plus is larger than my under 17 demographic. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. 
That's so I like to talk to the adults. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the big people conversation. Um, but that isn't to say there's not a, a ton of other great educators. Amaze.org is an awesome one that deals with nine plus, And they are a really, really good resource. Nine years old. Yes. Wow. Um, will you talk to us about how you become certified as, yes. a, as a sex... Ologist? Yeah. So I did just the hours. I went to a school that's called the Institute for Advanced Study of Human Sexuality. And you have to just do X amount of hours, go to courses. We had this course that was called SAR, which is Sexual Attitude Reassessment, in which they just show you 40 hours in a classroom of porn. You watch every variety possible, every kink, every fetish, every paraphilia, just so that whenever someone tells me something about their sexual interests, I'm not going to be like, you know, I've seen something like that before. So it was just a process of understanding the biology again, like what the sociology is, what sort of the paraphilias mean, the the sexual behaviors that are deviant or, you know, not legal in many places. Um, And then also too, like making sure that you can be sex positive and that just takes tons of exposure. I mean, the greatest education, of course, is not what you get in school. It's these conversations. My greatest sex education is probably the grocery store. When someone sees me and they're like, I watch your videos, <laughs> I'm having this problem, or I'm having this, or what do you think about Or Last night I tried. And so I'm learning from the people. Like that's my number one educator. Is there the question that you just get all the time? Oh. Is there one or just a few questions that are the most consistent that you get? Yeah. I mean, the orgasm question for women, you know, I I like to say that really evolved, you know, maybe five years ago, I've been in this space for 13 years. And so five years ago, maybe when I first started the matter of I'm a woman and I don't orgasm during sex, what's wrong with me was like constant. Mm. And I just think there's so much uh, clitoracy or clitoris literacy now where people understand the power of the clit, um, that it's the primary pleasure organ for women. It is the only organ known to man uh, that sole purpose is pleasure. And so I think because of that, now that question comes up a little bit less. Maybe now it's like, okay, I got the clitoris thing down, but like, how do I squirt? How do I orgasm for my nipples? How do I orgasm in my sleep? Um, and so I think the question I mostly get now is like around desire, you know, like I don't feel desired or, um, how do I increase my sense of desire or I'm in a partnership and I just don't have that same like go that I used to. And so that tends to be more the question, not about can I orgasm? It's like, how do I have the happiest, healthiest sex life? Which to me is positive. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the question of desire has really, that technology's at fault for that? The idea that we're kind of hiding behind screens and we're maybe not like, it's easy to sit down next to someone and just both be on your phones as opposed to looking at each other in the eyes or becoming desensitized from watching porn for since you were younger and have this certain expectation of what sex is supposed to be like instead of just finding your intimacy with your partner or are those just generalizations that kind of get thrown around? I would say both. I mean, like this is like known as like the sexless generation. They're having less sex and there's an argument out there that that's actually a positive thing and there's arguments it's a negative thing. And so I do think the desire question, my book is called The Game of Desire because that word just always gets brought up in my practice and just in my general conversations. But I do think it's also people expecting more. You know, like I think even back in the day, like if once you're married, like you stop expecting to be looked at in that way, you stop expecting to feel that fire. And now people are like, no, like I want to continue to feel that fire. I want to continue to feel excited about my sexuality or about my intimate connections. And so I think, yes, to your point, I think it's a lot to do with technology and how that's shifted the way that we connect with each other. But I also like to think that clitoracy and sex education (laughs) in general um, has made more people feel like, yeah, I want in on that too. Mm. So how do we then, if we're in a long-term relationship or a marriage or whatever, continue to keep that alive? 
I should ask y'all that question. You got, <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been doing something, right? It's, yeah. it's working out. But Taylor with any, her pregnant belly over here. But are there any tips and tricks? Because yes. even still, there are times when that is a fear of mine of knowing like, okay, there will we will hit a point where we'll feel like, you know, a desire has dried up or, and how do we not, how do we, you know, fix that before we get to that point? Yes. I would say don't fear that. Embrace it. It's like kind of inevitable. Just like if you went to the same sushi restaurant every single day, even though you loved it so much, eventually your taste buds are going to get bored of it. So what usually ends up happening is when you first get together with somebody, like your biology is doing all the work for you. It's like dopamine hits and like serotonin spikes and like adrenaline rushes. And so your body is concocting chemistry for you. And it's giving you that, like, I I have to jump your bones and rip your clothes off right now feel. Thanks body. Thanks body. (laughs) But the thing is after a prolonged exposure, it stops being risky behavior and the brain risk and reward center is what lights up and gives us those adrenaline boosts. And so when it stops being that, because now it's a trusted long-term partner, you have to do that manually. And a lot of people don't want to do that. Um, Also to look at it like it's a sign that they don't care for their partner as much, but it's not. It's just like natural biology. Again, if you eat the exact same delicious food every day, no matter how good it is, it's going to become dull to you. So I have this quiz on my website called Turn On Triggers, and it's six ways that someone can manually make sure that you guys are on the same page. It's a lot like love languages. And so it's understanding what makes your partner get into the mood. And so not just expecting your partner to be there if you're there, but actually listening to say what matters to them. For some people, it's environmental, which I'm going to guess might be you because your house is impeccable. <laughs> She's but looking at Candace. <laughs> they cannot like, you know, even function if the space, it's like the five senses have to be cared for. Smell and looks and clean and cleanliness and music's got to be playing. For some people, it's mental. And those are sapiosexuals, people who need a great conversation first. There are people who are desire. They just want to know, like, if I looked you in the eye and I'm like, you are so hot, take your clothes off right now. I want you, you know, that just like raw energy. That's what gets them going. So knowing what your partner's turn on triggers are, um, also manually putting in the work and not expecting to get those same biological boosts that you did in the beginning. And what if you and your partner have different what if you guys have different things that turn you on? Is it, It's communicating that as well. That's why it's so important because I think so many of us, we do this with love too, right? So if my love language is words of affirmation, I'm going to come and be like, your house is beautiful. This is great. And in your mind, you're like, well, push a chair in. Like for you, acts of service is how someone can show you love. And so we do make the mistake a lot of assuming that the way that we like love is the way others do. And so you don't have to have the same love language or turn on trigger as your partner, but you do have to make an effort to go beyond what your um, general comfort zone is. This quiz on your website we can take it and we can give it to our partner, right? Yes. And then uh, we know. Yes. I am the quiz. Like I'm a quiz whore. I have so <laughs> many quizzes. People are like, I, I have this workbook um, that's free on my website too. It's two and a half hours of quizzes. I think quizzes are so great because they give kind of the, to the point of the books. You need a frame of reference for discussion, an even playing field frame of reference. And so you take the quiz, I take the quiz, we have results, and now we have something to discuss mm-hmm. and we can give language to each other. I think in relationships we're like, communication is key. And it's like, what do I say? <laughs> what am I supposed to communicate? And how do I tell you like what you're doing doesn't work for me? And if I don't even know what really does work for me how to put that into words or when to communicate that Mm -hmm. when do you do that over a cup of coffee in the morning 
in the bedroom before while you're brushing your teeth, you know, it's like that that's where I think a lot of people have a hard time is when do you have that conversation? And then they just never have it because you just keep putting it off. Yeah. Speaking of important conversations, I really want to make sure we touch on erectile dysfunction because that is something that you are so positively representing. And we as women originally had thought, well, this might not really affect us. And if you're in a relationship where it doesn't really affect you, you think it doesn't affect people. But statistically now, after doing our research, we know it affects so many women. How, speaking of conversations, how do we bring that up in our relationship? Yeah. If you have a partner, I mean, erectile dysfunction, first and foremost, is a spectrum disorder. It's not like your partner can never get hard. Some For some people, it happens frequently. Some people, it's just once in a while. Some people, they can get an erection, but they can't maintain it. Others, maybe it takes them a while or sometimes it just doesn't come at all. Um, it's also important to note that 80% of erectile dysfunction is biology, biologically based, meaning it's not just because they don't think you're hot or they're not into it. It's a body part, right? It's no, no dissimilar to like reasons that your knee is spasming. There's something happening in your body. And it's funny because a lot of people think like, well, we have control over our bodies. I'm like, when's the last time you beat your own heart? You know what I mean? When's the last time that you told your kidneys what to do? Like there's, we just don't have that much control over what our body does. And so I think that's first and foremost, stopping the blame game. Um, And it's looking for the source, but in the actual moment itself, if you do have a partner who, you know, can't get it up or can't maintain an erection, it is starting a a compassionate conversation. Um, Giddy, which is the company that I work for, they have this thing called the 30 day guide. And in it, one of the biggest parts is how to bring it up with your partner, like a step-by-step guide of what to say, what compassionate language to use, what questions to ask, um, and how to tackle this problem together. Cause you said that so beautifully, it is a women's issue as well. And it's an uncomfortable, it's something that women don't even talk about with other women. Right. And women love to talk about sex with other women. Mm -hmm. Like that's like one glass of wine in everyone's like, okay, who needs to talk about the weather anymore? Let's all just get right into it. Um, That's true. Have you ever had a friend say to you, like my partner's not maintaining an erection? No. And I guarantee we have many friends who feel that way, but they feel responsible for it. I mean, Mm -hmm. the the statistics has 50% of women feel like it is their fault. And I can, I can imagine that. And what I loved about uh, learning about Getty, which I, we would have never even discussed or we never would have discussed erectile dysfunction on this podcast, I don't think, had we not known we were going to sit down with you. And and then we started to learn about this product that you're you're representing and talking about and how it's something that women can participate. I like yes. that it's ridged on the top. So it's it's got stimulation for the women's benefit as well or your partner's benefit um, more importantly, and um, and you have this amazing commercial video yes. <laughs> with Danny Trejo is like yes. leading the revolution for men to also start talking about it. And there's a an Olympian in the video. We got one of the Real Housewives in the video. Um, it was you, really educating. You guys have just made it such an approachable topic. And the truth is, it really seems like a very taboo topic before watching your video, before having you on here. Um, how can we continue to keep the conversation going? Yeah. I think when we, when the conversation is started, just be mindful. Uh, I did a video and I invited, it was a co-ed video and it was the range of age was I think 18 to like 50 years old. And it was a couple of women and it got a lot of guys who had some experience with ED. And what they were saying is a lot of times that they brought it up, it was turned into a joke. Mm. Um, or they would bring it up with their partner and their partner would burst into tears or like get really upset or start panicking. Like, well, what's wrong with me? Why isn't this working? And so 
it, we starting the conversation, of course, is important, but when it's brought up in any capacity, please be sensitive. It is mm-hmm. such a, there is so much pressure. I don't have a penis. And so this is not something I can personally attest to, but there's so much pressure on the penis to like, you know, cure cancer and give 50 orgasms and always be erect and always be hard. And like, that is the center of masculinity for a lot of pop culture's depictions is, is the erection. And so when you can't maintain one or you can't have one, and of course, again, our body doesn't speak English. Your body's not like, you're not drinking enough water. That's why you don't know why it's happening. And so the frustration that you feel as the individual who is struggling with ED is just so immense. And so if it gets brought up, please just be compassionate about that. And it seems like the first step is to know for us to know that it happens more often than not. So if you're listening to this and your partner experiences it or you experience it, just know it's part of life that it is okay. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that women are always encouraged to orgasm. It's like, let's encourage ourselves to explore our own bodies. Let's encourage our romantic relationships to bring more female orgasms into the room. But for men, it's just an expectation like that they have to just be there and ready to go. And that's not, not, that kind of pressure definitely isn't on women. It's, you know, I don't feel like there's been an expectation of like, as a woman, if you don't have an orgasm, then you don't love me. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. And when it is, we, we know that, that that's a shit person. And then right? that's an unhealthy <laughs> no, relationship. That's an unhealthy then you relationship. say bye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> had you had a lot of questions about erectile dysfunction um, from viewers of your YouTube series? Yeah, I think, and I don't think I really uh, gave them enough heed. Now that I look back at, at those questions, you just kind of think of it like it's not a big deal. And also too, like I'm in this space. And so sometimes what ends up happening with me is that I'm in a bubble and I talk to people like yourself who are sex positive, who are progressive, who are into wellness, who put the work in. And so to me, we're all having compassionate conversations and we have a base of understanding. I did a class on erectile dysfunction at the Center for Healthy Sex like three years ago or something. Um, And one of the greatest tips I got from that class is as a person who is having sex with somebody who has erectile dysfunction, and you know that that's an issue that happens frequently and or once in a while, the worst thing you could do during foreplay is reach for the erection because that puts them into fight or flight. And once you're in fight or flight, it's difficult to now get into the mood or get into calm and connect and actually get that result. And so let your partner guide your hand there. If they do feel the bulge or something against your skin, but do not reach down because that will put them into panic mode and make it, um, a traumatic experience for them. So I had already had like a, I guess a basic frame rate of a frame of reference for it. And so I don't think I provided people with enough resources. I would just be like, Oh, here's the basics. Cause you know, I think we all know about this, but in truth, like you said, these conversations are not happening at all. So the very, very basics of why is erectile dysfunction happening? Like the simple, the simplicity of it is, is that, you know, arteries bring the blood in veins, carry the blood out. When you get an erection, the veins supposed to constrict, constrict, so that blood can't seep out. What's happening in ED is that the veins are carrying the blood out too quickly or the arteries aren't carrying blood in quick enough. And that's why you don't get the, the stiffness. And how does giddy aid in that? It just blocks the veins. It blocks the veins. Yeah. So it creates the seal that the body's supposed to make. And that's why giddy is shaped like a horseshoe. Um, and so it keeps the arteries free to keep carrying blood in. It has those two little bumps that block the veins um, from carrying blood out. And then it keeps the urethra open so that ejac- ejaculation is pleasurable as normal. Mm. And it's something that you wear. It's not a prescription. Yes. It's, it's nothing that you have to go to a doctor for. 
Which is so much more approachable. You can just order it online. The female can, the male can, whoever wants to order it can order it. Do you work for them? Because you're just killing it. (laughs) We were just honestly just we were blown away by just the the company and just how we would have never had this conversation or educated ourselves, um, you know, even or just wanted to talk about on this podcast. Had we not known that we were going to sit down with you you. and saw that you were talking about it. And we're like, wow, yeah, this is an important conversation because you're right. I think women are starting to be more vocal about um, orgasms and masturbation and taking care of their sex positive, their pleasures, like being pleasure positive this day and age. But I think that um, it's important to continue to learn how to talk with your partner if, if something is not working between you guys. And I think these conversations are the hardest conversations yes. to have. I can speak for myself. I can't speak for everyone else, but I'm so close to my husband. We have such a wonderful relationship, but sometimes Shout out to that area man. is hard for us to talk about. Mm-hmm. And and even just on this podcast, when we started, Candace said, we get flushed. There's something about sex that sometimes I shut down when, when we talk about it. And so I'm happy we have you on to then continue this conversation and hopefully... I can get more comfortable with it. And in turn, we all can. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now, I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae, and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 
310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. Are you trying to do it all flawlessly and you just end up tired or beating yourself up over little things? Do you ever feel you might fail? Break away from the cult of perfection with Rejma Shajani by subscribing and listening to Brave Not Perfect podcast. Reshma is the founder and CEO of Girls Who Code, author of the international bestseller Brave Not Perfect and the first Indian American woman to run for Congress. Her TED Talk about teaching girls bravery has resonated with people across the globe and has 5 million views. This season of Brave Not Perfect is all about everyday bravery and the small but meaningful ways women can be brave in our daily lives. Because bravery isn't about slaying dragons and it's not something you're born with. As Reshma explains, bravery is a habit you form. She wants to help you build that muscle so when it really matters, you're ready to take on life's challenges. To fear less, fail more, and live with more joy, tune into Brave Not Perfect with Reshma Sajani. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you're listening right now. Support for today's show comes from Bare Minerals, creators of clean beauty. Purity and formulation and uncompromising performance have always been the guiding principles of Bare Minerals. Because they believe that makeup and skincare should make your skin better, not just better looking. This has been the Bare Minerals philosophy since they began the clean beauty revolution in 1995 with their best-selling original foundation, which offers creamy, lightweight, buildable coverage that's naturally luminous. The clean formula is made with only five good-for-skin ingredients, all minerals, including non-chemical SPF protection. Makeup so pure, you can sleep in it. And it actually improves your skin over time. It's everything your skin needs and nothing it doesn't. For Bare Minerals to be clean without compromise means good-for-skin formulas with proven performance. Like every Bare Minerals product, it's 100% cruelty-free. Better yet, both the original and matte loose powder foundations are available in 30 shades. Upgrade to clean beauty products. Use the foundation finder at bareminerals.com to find your perfect match. First-time customers will get 15% off when you use the promo code CHALLENGED. That's bareminerals.com, promo code CHALLENGED for 15% off your first purchase. Bare Minerals, the power of good. And we're back.
And I love that you are also, you have an entire book about desire because you're mm-hmm. right. That is such an important word. I think whether you are single, whether you're monogamous, whether whatever relationship you're in of being, feeling desired or desiring someone else. Um, now from what I know about your book, didn't you, you worked with five women, mm-hmm. correct? Six, but six women yes. then. Um, One dropped off. So it ended up being five. Okay. Gotcha. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> and you essentially brought in a bunch of experts to figure out um, what they could do to to be better equipped to meet someone, correct? Yes, correct. And and also, um, and kind of watch their journey and they would be able to talk about it. Could you talk about what inspired you to create that kind of a setup to write your book? Yeah, I think it's just like, I think it's so normal to be nervous talking about sex. I'm nervous talking about my Wi-Fi connection. Like if I have to call <laughs> Spectrum, I'm like, the light's not on. It's not working. I just don't understand. Can you do something? I don't have the language. You know, I'm not, I don't understand what's happening. I don't talk about it frequently. It's a big part of my life. And yet it's not really a part of my understanding. And so if you don't talk about sex all the time, if you don't have the language to describe the different body parts or what you like or the words, of course, it's a stressful conversation because um, you feel inept, you feel inequipped to have it. Mm. And of course, too, so much of your ego is attached to it. Mm. So mm-hmm. if you do feel that nervousness, give yourself a break. It's not that you're, you know, super prudy and like you have to like go and like detach yourself for some like religious, like, um, anchor that you have on yourself. It might just be practice. And that's what the game of desire is really about too. It's that, Hey, I just had the thought process of why does attractiveness have to be looked at as this thing that just some people were gifted with, or some people are you know, wealthy enough to purchase, but (laughs) why can't attractiveness be looked at as something that you can learn? It's a set of skills like anything else. If you came to me and said you couldn't cook, I wouldn't be like, I, good luck. I don't know. I don't know to tell you and say, okay, well, let's get some cookbooks. Let's get some experts in here. Let's watch some videos. Let's practice in low risk environments. Let's not make our first paella for a wedding party. Let's do it at home by ourselves. Or then practice with like just your family and like just getting the tips down so that now you are a masterful attractor. And also too, like you feel like you are really good at this. You know who you are. You know what you have to work on. You know what makes you striking. And you have the little subtle psychological tips in place so that you're like, I know what I'm doing when I'm in a crowd. I know what I'm doing when I'm on a dating app. And so I got six women and the thorough point with all of them was that they were great. And we all have this friend. Like they are really awesome. They kill winged eyeliner. They know all the lyrics to Hamilton. They have their own place. It's super cute. And yet- this love space is always kind of a disastrous space for them. And we're like, I can't figure it out why Jane, you know, can't make her way in this way, in this space. And that's who I wanted to target. It's not necessarily people whom, you know, don't have the rest of their life together. These are all women who are scientists and who are analysts, um, women who are management um, criteria. And they came together and we had this incredible summer and the results were really like beyond my expectations. So who were some of the experts that you brought on? What yeah. was there? Um, so I had a psychologist who talked about why relationships fail just so that women were equipped with what are some like the key things that break up relationships. Uh, I talked about seduction and anti-seduction techniques, a la Robert Greene. We had a self-defense instructor teach them, you know, cause in the Me Too era, if you're going to go out there, you have to know how to protect yourself if the worst happens, which statistically it's probable that it might. Um, we had a stripper who came in, she taught an incredible workshop and like how to approach and I loved her workshop because it was really also about consent. And she was saying as a, as a sex worker, she begins every interaction with consent. Like, can I sit down? Can I touch your shirt? And she, when I do that, she receives that same in, uh, attention and the same care in return. Um, we also had 
a flirting expert, a pickup artist, which is like sort of like the male traditional dating space. Um, we had a marketing expert and then we had two experts from dating apps, one from OkCupid and one from the league just break down like, okay, here's the backstory of how to really finagle these dating apps. Like we want your dating apps to work for you, not the other way around. So they gave like really incredible insider tips. Do you think that's a big problem that everyone's kind of creating this online profile of who they think everyone else wants them to be? instead of just being themselves. I mean, I wish they even took that kind of time in it. You know what I mean, like people don't take the time. That's really the problem. You know, you most online profiles, like they don't think about the photo and the bio is just like, check out my Instagram. There's not a lot of care and thought and strategy. So I wouldn't even mind somebody who's like, here's the projection of the version of myself that I'm aspiring to be. Because even that, you know, does take some thought. Sometimes I find my friends that are single that are on the dating apps, I'll go on their profile and think to myself, this is nothing like you. (laughs) No wonder. I mean, you're probably attracting a completely different person. And I can imagine it's just different. It's, you know, old fashioned days you could call on the cell phone and talk or not even cell phone, home phone and have a conversation. And now it is it is all virtual. Yes. Uh, And that's not a bad thing. I mean, this is what I think has happened with 2019. In essence, the car keeps getting better. So now the car is like super souped up and it's got lights and it goes 500 miles per hour and it's like unlimited gadgets inside of it, but we still haven't taught people how to drive. And so we have all these people who have these gadgets. You have got, you can create a date by the time you finish listening to this sentence in theory, right? But nonetheless, it's like people don't know the basics of intimate connection. They don't necessarily know who they are, what they have to work on, what's blocking them from creating the kinds of bonds that they're looking for, what to look for in a partner based on who they are. Like understanding yourself Like the workbook is such an integral. It's phase one of the book because you can't know who's best for you if you don't know who you are. Same thing with jobs. Mm -hmm. We spend 18 years figuring out like, I'm good at math. I'm not good at science. I'm good at this. And then through process of elimination, we can eventually position ourselves for a career that we're going to enjoy and be successful at. But when it comes to love, we're like, if you like them, good luck. You know, it's just, <laughs> that's just, that's sort of a recipe for disaster. And statistically, of course, we have seen that come to fruition. I love that you brought up consent. And I also love that you sat, that you had a stripper come in to talk about that mm-hmm. because Yes, that is someone who has to have really strong boundaries for what they're comfortable with and what they're not comfortable with. Um, Do you have any advice for young listeners or just any listener about how they communicate consent uh, when they're with someone without um, making the moment uncomfortable or keeping it spicy while they're still talking consent? Or how do people talk about consent? I don't know. I'm married. It's been a long time since I've been out there. I'm struggling to ask this question, no, this but is, I think it's important. It's that- an important question to know how to discuss consent with and keep while keeping things sexy. Yes. And I, that's the perfect recipe. You actually answered the question. Talking about sexuality, consent, et cetera, should mirror what good sex is. It should mirror what good conversation is. Good conversation has flow. It has understanding, but it has a little bit of joy in there too. It shouldn't be this like, stop what you're doing, sign this contract. It should be like, Hey, like you even starting the conversation with consent, like she was mentioning that she never walks over to a client just and joins them. She always says like, do you mind if I join you? And so even if you start doing that, adding that to your own culture, and this is the thing I've learned the hard way that like consent is a very broad language Mm -hmm. and none of us are above learning it. I am also married, but I got put in my place last year by somebody because they were like, I noticed you're not asking people if you can touch them before you take a photo with them. And she really had a good point. And so I'm like, yeah, like I also am not above learning how to really ensure that 
the, the basic principle of consent is what feels good for me can't make you feel bad. And so if it feels good for me to be flirty with you, but it makes you feel bad, that defeats the purpose. If it feels good for me to hug you, but you don't like it, that defeats the purpose. And so if you just have that in the forefront of your mind, it takes two seconds to be like, want to come in for a hug? Like, Hey, like, do you, can I put my hand on your knee? We're taking a photo. It's like, can I put my arm around your waist? Like just those little quick questions. You don't have to stop and sign a contract. It's just, it becomes an automatic part of your conversation. And you say it in the same tone that you would say, I like your skirt. It's, it's identical. It's just another layer of communication. And let's say we're in um, a heated moment and Ooh. there have been some, you know, can I touch you? Can I do this? Can I do that? But then suddenly we've hit a place where there's a wall and we're no longer comfortable. How do we, without completely ruining the moment or the relationship, say to them, hey, I think we've hit the limit? Yeah, I'm a really big fan of like managing X. Ex- My favorite quote of all time is the key to happiness is managing expectations. Um, which my favorite psychologist like started to debate me on that. And I'm like, try me. I love it. It like (laughs) runs my life. But um, so when I was single, I literally used to set expectations before the date and be like, here's what's not going to happen. I'm not probably going to have sex with you. Probably not going to end up in head for you. And it sounded cringy, but again, it was kind of casual. Like I'm a vegan, just so you know (laughs) what's ahead for the day. Um, And then sure enough, we would get together. We would start making out and like maybe the intimacy would be progressing. And I just like, hey, just a reminder, this is my, my limit. And it was like, it was already said. And so the person may have been disappointed. And I also found that too, like everybody called the next day. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it didn't matter. It wasn't, I think sometimes we say yes in the moment because we're like, we don't want to get a no down the line or we don't want to make things weird. It's like, it's really not going to be that bad. And I think that asserting your boundaries and like putting your stake in the grass is something people respect. But if you haven't done that and you're in the moment, it, even though it feels like a switch change of gears, just be like, this was so incredible. Like, I just want to go home and think about this and just like, let this be enough. Like, I'm not ready for dessert yet or however you want to word it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, put the, put hit the brakes, but do it in a way that like, lets the person know, like I'm full right now. Mm-hmm. I've had enough to eat. This has been enough for me and I've really, really enjoyed it. So it's never too late to bring it up. It's never too late. Never, ever. You could be midway through and be like, I think I'm full now. This is enough for me. I'm like, <laughs> I've enjoyed this immensely. Thank you so much. I'm going to put my clothes on and leave or whatever the case is. Yeah. They should always have that option to say no. And like I said, I, I think that women should feel in particular, um, should feel more proud of that position. Do you feel like you've, yeah, you've had your YouTube channel or you've been teaching sex for 13 years, has it shifted the way that people are talking about it um, just recently because of the Me Too movement? Has that been the biggest? Have you gotten more questions? Have you guys seen a shift in like your general conversations with friends? Yeah, 100%. 100%. 100%. Has the shift been like, I think a lot of people fear the shift has been now like it's less fun. It's just less natural. And I overall feel a sigh of relief Mm. from myself and my girlfriends in the sense that, oh, we can talk about this now. For some reason, it always felt a little bit taboo. And now it feels so open and power empowering that um, I feel like we talk about it more often than not. I love that. I found it to be there was like a mourning period of there'd be a lot of groups of uh, female friends coming together and needing to kind of talk about things that they'd experienced in the past that used to be a punchline or 
oh, ha ha, but that's just something that happened. And that's just something that this person did once. Um, and then all of a sudden being able to tell the story in a way that was more authentic to how maybe we all really felt like we were saying it as a punchline. Like, of course you go to a bar and you wear a mini skirt. And if you wear a mini skirt at a bar, you're going to get grabbed the entire night. You're going to have strangers put their hands up your skirt the whole night. And I remember there, there were dinner parties where it'd be men and women and, and someone would say this, or I would say that. And, and the men would go, what are you talking about? That's, that's wrong. And you and all the women would jump in and go like, no, this is what was just accepted. Yes. It just was accepted. And so there was this really important period of time where I just felt like we'd all be crying. I was very emotional throughout a lot of it. And other friends would call and be like, Hey, can we just get together tonight just to be together and just talk about our feelings. And I'm like, absolutely. We need to, because we get sounds to, like foreplay to me. I'm like, I'm yeah, so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Call me next time. Yeah. <laughs> Reframe um, the stories and tell them more authentic to who we are and what we actually experienced. Mm-hmm. I also think there's an interesting mindset now that I've seen in a lot of our guy friends and my husband and my husband's friends that they are more aware of things that we all went through and that women go through now uh, on a normal everyday basis that maybe they weren't aware of. And so I'm just happy that it's a conversation that's happening. But as far as your YouTube channel, do you get more questions regarding that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it never doesn't come up. Like I always get, actually, I was, I had an interview with someone recently on my channel and I was saying, um, aside from non-consensual sex, what constitutes bad sex for you? And I got like, you know, a couple drags, little light drags. And the thing is like, don't use the term non-consensual sex. There's no such thing. It's assault, right? Or it's rape. And so it's a softer way of saying what it actually is and that that can be harmful for people. So you have to really call it what it is for people to understand the severity of it. And like, just again, like why women are coming together in groups and having like these support meetings because of the fact that it hasn't been given the attention that it requires and said in the plain English way that everyone can understand this is an issue that needs tackling. So I, yeah, I think that I'm challenged constantly. Like yeah, consent is not a side topic. It's not a sidebar. It's just a part of my everyday language. It's a part of a discussion that I, I probably do have daily and challenge myself to continue to do so because I'm still learning. For our listeners who are listening that haven't necessarily participated in this conversation yet, but want to try and start it with their girlfriends or with their significant other, how do we um, start this conversation with people who maybe haven't felt as comfortable having it? You know, it was a really great one on Twitter that was like, if men had a 9 p.m. curfew, what would you do? (laughs) And it was like all people like, I would go running at night or I'd go to the grocery store. I would do this. And so just this discussion of how do you limit your everyday life right now because of the fact that you acknowledge that this threat is real? Um, What would you wear? What would you do differently? And that just might start spawning into personal discussions. It's always better to start kind of like the overarching bridge rather than, you know, have you experienced assault before, which can feel really heavy and invasive to people. So those like nice entry points, I think, are a great way to get the ball rolling. That's fantastic. What would you guys do differently? If men had a 9 p.m. curfew, I probably would run. You'd run. You'd run at nighttime. Yes. Yeah. I saw that there was also, um, I think uh, on Twitter, there was a feed of what do you carry with you when you go running? Mm -hmm. And, and I, some of the men that we were talking to were like, well, what do you mean? What do you carry with you? 
and immediately again, all the women were like, yeah, like a form of defense. Like, do you have, you know, pepper spray, pepper spray, you know, there was someone who'd had like rings that you move and it turns into brass knuckles. Um, they have like now like little knives that will fit in your running shorts. Um, but it's something that women have to think about. Yes. I always do the Wolverine with all my keys where they all come through my hands Mm -hmm. as I'm walking. And I never know what I'm going to do with it. Yeah. no, I know it's there. (laughs) It's like this little security blanket. Well, thank God you haven't had to learn yet. I know. But it's it's nice that there is finally a discussion and an understanding from all genders and, and... and that we can actually talk about it. And, and like this encouragement for the younger generation too, that hopefully they don't have to walk with car keys in between their, their fingers and, and, or if they do, they're more prepared for it. And I think too, it's, it's really important to acknowledge that men really need a little bit more grace and space to enter into these conversations. Um, a lot of people who grew up in a women-centric community were just accustomed to the language of feelings, of emotions, of experiences in a, a lot more thorough way. We practice this since we were five years old, right? We talk about our feelings. We gossip with girlfriends. We talk about relationships. And so men may just not have that same experience, that same range of discussion. And so they may genuinely not know what the consensus is out there because they have no place to go where they're hearing other perspectives or hearing other stories from men um, and forming their own value system based on that. And so I think that what I did not like about the Me Too movement was just like, demonization of men or any man who didn't say the perfect language when they were discussing it in the media, wherein that like, well, why would they know? Like, let's give them like, let's just gently correct you, right? Like when a a kid makes a mistake, not to compare men to children, but when somebody who's not clear about something makes a mistake, we're like, oh no, like this is actually what we're talking about. Or here, read this article. So now we're at least both on the same page, like find entry points for them to feel included in the conversation because they're so, so important. Give them a chance to learn. Exactly. I mean, even as a woman, I was scared to say something, write, you know, anything or, or vocalize a lot of opinions because I didn't want it to come out the wrong way and have it be offensive to anyone. Mm -hmm. So I kept it really close quarters to just friends in my backyard. And and just a bunch of women or close friends at dinner parties that we knew we could have that same safe place conversation. And that's not helpful for a topic that everyone has got a hand in, right? Like it's one thing if we're watching a TED talk on the newest science and probiotics and like only 10 people might know and the rest of us just buy the pills and it doesn't matter. But literally all of us have to both practice, execute, understand, know, and pass on information about consent. We all have to be experts. And if we feel like we can't chime in for fear that we're going to be beaten down, you know, on Twitter or wherever else, like that's a real problem. People have to feel like their perspective is important. I've, I can't tell you how many men I spoke to in the Me Too, uh, in the wake of the Me Too era that were just like, yeah, but don't women like play hard to get? Don't they say no when they really just mean yes? Like they're just trying to get you to try harder. And I was like, no, sweetie, no. I mean, that I think that happens like in writing my book, for example, um, I interviewed 300 women in LA, like one-on-one interviews. um, And I just like knew that kind of similar to dating, I had to do face-to-faces if I was going to know if they were right fit or not. And the message that kept coming up is like, yeah, well, like I, I'm just too intimidating for men. I'm just too awesome. There's too much going for me. And like, they find that hard to deal with. And I'm like, man, like we all have our own delusions. I think that's the narrative that women tell themselves that like their biggest barrier to, uh, romantic connections is that they're, they're too great. I think men tell themselves that like, no, like they say no, but they really mean they extra want me just both lies. Just no. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> Your book is officially out for everyone to buy. The Game of Desire. Uh, what's the biggest thing you took away from it that you didn't think you would learn along the way? Oh my goodness. I've never been asked that question before. I thought this would be a six-week process with the girls. I'm like, this is a six-week course to like getting the person of your dreams. <laughs> uh, six months later, you know, six months, eight months, I'm still working with these women. It's such... I think I underestimated the time that it takes for people to really look at themselves and be ready to make a change on the areas that are defense mechanisms of their personality. So maybe they, you know, a lot of us create these reactionary personas or these bad habits that are based on a bad thing someone else did to us, you know, previously in a previous relationship or even growing up. And so getting people to recognize that like, hey, here's how you're blocking your own blessings. Like that took months and months of time. Um, So I think I was naive in how short this would take. Mm. And so I just learned patience, a lot, a lot of patience. It sounds like a lot of self-work. Tons of self-work. Like even if you are in a relationship that this would be beneficial to, to you know, doing the self-work so you could be more open and present for your partner. A hundred percent. I think this book is literally, how do I make great connections? That's how I would summarize it. And so that's, whether that is dating or that is at jobs or even with family, you got to know who you are, understand who that is in reaction to feedback from others. You have to enlist the help of experts. You have to be willing to change certain things about yourself. You have to practice in low risk environments. Like flirting for me is just every single day. I'm going to go to FedEx after this. I'm a flirt with the person there to see if I can get a better quality print. Like I just know that that's just a general part of my everyday interactions. And so I do think it's, you know, for everybody, but in particular, I wanted this to be for the woman who, when they hear the word desire, they have questions and they have insecurities. And that's who I wrote it for. And now your book has answers. It's got answers. I know I'm ordering it. (laughs) Listen, I need to hire you for my promo team. Giddy needs to hire you. (laughs) Shan Boudram, also Shan Booty. Yes. By your friends. Um, Where can our listeners find you on your socials? Well, I do want to shout out Giddy. I think that's a great opportunity for people who are listening to this. And again, like anybody can buy Giddy. It's non-prescription. There are no side effects to it. And it's just like a sex toy. You can use it in the bedroom, see how it feels. It has a really high success rate of solving majority of erectile dysfunction. So if you go to getmegiddy.com, you can learn about um, how to purchase one of those. And yeah, it's it's a really great saver. It's Me, out in the fall, right? It's out in the okay. fall. Okay, good. Yes. But you can still order it right now. Great. And they had an Indiegogo campaign and they far exceeded... Yeah, it was what supposed to be 25,000 and they're at like 250,000. Yes. So people are excited. People are really ready for this product. People are excited. Yeah. <laughs> and you, where can we find you? I'm um, anywhere at Shan Booty or Booty with a D. That's my last name, not my anatomy. If I stand up, <laughs> I'll give you proof of that. Um, but just, yeah, thegameofdesire.com is also where you can go and get all the quizzes and that free workbook that I mentioned. And your YouTube channel. Yes. Um, are you just, come, come on, come on to the I payroll. You. I want everyone to know who you are. If there was space for me in that womb, I'd be climbing up in there right now. Uh, my YouTube channel is also Shan Booty. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming and starting this revolution and letting us join your, um, your story. We're really proud. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for talking about erectile dysfunction. Heck That's yeah. really for, beautiful and brave. I appreciate that. Started the conversation. I feel so empowered after talking to Shan. Not only is she stunning, but she's such a badass woman with so many wonderful points to make. And I um, am so proud to have had her on. I can't wait to take her quizzes. <laughs> what an efficient way to be able to uh, talk about sex with your partner. I love a quiz. Would you ever take those quizzes in Seventeen magazine? 
and and find out more about yourself all the time. This is the adult version of that. Well, I remember even in Cosmopolitan, there'd be like sex quizzes. But funny enough, like thinking back, it never felt like like an empowering quiz. It's like, what kind of person are you in the bedroom? But in a way that's like, this is the position for you, as opposed to starting with your feelings, like something that might feel good to you emotionally or, or, you know, something that you might want to explore with your partner in a way that's not just based off of getting off, Mm -hmm. but that is truly about connection, desire, I love that she really, I mean, wrote an entire book based on that word. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting that that's the word that kept pop, like popping up whenever she talked to people. What I'm taking away from this is um, the em- feeling of empowerment to have more of a sex positive conversation in my relationship because I realize we we don't discuss it as much as we probably need to. I love at the end when she was talking about being on a first date and how easy it is that people will be like, I'm vegan. (laughs) These are my allergies. You know, this is the month I was born. Let me tell you about my parents. But, you know, all these really personal facts. And why is it so hard for us to talk about what our boundaries are or what we're interested in sexually um, and what we like? And, And exactly like being in a marriage, that shouldn't just stop. Like you shouldn't stop having those conversations. They should be ongoing and we should be able to talk about it. If we can talk about finances and <laughs> life and schedules and, you know, and make all those tough life decisions, we should be able to sit down with our partners and and talk about and have a pleasure positive conversation for both of our sakes. Yeah, it feels so taboo and it doesn't have to be anymore. So I don't know about you. I'm definitely going to buy her book and read it and and implement every morsel into my life. Uh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Well, I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. We really, really enjoyed recording this episode. And stay tuned for next week. We'll be back with an all new episode of Directionally Challenged. Directionally Challenged. As the creators of Clean Beauty, Bare Minerals is driven by a philosophy that makeup and skincare should make your skin better, not just better looking. That's why their best-selling original foundation is made with only five ingredients, all minerals. For Bare Minerals, to be clean without compromise means good for skin formulas with proven performance. Upgrade to Clean Beauty products. Use the foundation finder at bareminerals.com to find your perfect match. First-time customers will get 15% off when you use the promo code CHALLENGED. Bare Minerals, the power of good. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.